You're listening to The Miraculous, a podcast by Gary Hewins that will give you a godly infusion of encouragement every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Okay, saints, here we are, infusion number 19. This is geared towards those of us who are struggling with some sort of sickness, condition, but it's also for those who want to minister to them. But Primarily, let's look at this passage of Scripture as it relates to the possibilities, how you might be feeling today, how you might be doing as you seek um, release from this illness that you're suffering with. I'm going to read, it's called the, the Ten Men with Leprosy. I'm going, to, I'm going to read from Luke chapter 17, verse 11 through 19. It goes something like this. Now on, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. That's terrible, isn't it? Pitiful. And when he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. Let me say that again. As they went, they were healed, cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. All right. So what does this have to do with us 2,000 plus years later? And what does it have to do with you specifically as it pertains to finding relief from this illness that you have? Now, these are questions worth answering. Well, first of all, when did this take place? Well, this takes place late in the third year of Jesus's ministry. In fact, he's on his way to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. Okay, so we're, we're in the last chapters here. That makes this significant. So where is he? Well, it says there he was on the border. Border what? Between Samaria and Galilee, between Samaria and Judea. Samaria is this um, this area of land. Israel's about, uh, I don't know, 85 miles wide, 115, 125 miles long from north to south, from Dan to Beersheba. So somewhere in the middle of those, that that 115 miles is this 85 mile-wide Samaritan area where the Samaritans lived, okay? So what are Samaritans? Samaritans are people back in the Old Testament that uh, ignored everything God had to say about marriage and married people from different faiths, different religions, different cultures, and they've come up with this uh, a new new ethnicity. But it's not the ethnicity that is the issue, it's the spirituality, so they married people who had their own faith, a pagan faith, and somehow they all got mixed up. As a result, nobody likes the Samaritans, at least the Jews don't. So what does Jesus do? Well, he goes there. They won't even walk in Samaria. He goes there. They walk around it, and he walks in the middle of it. He meets with this woman at the well who's a Samaritan. So if you feel like a Samaritan, an outcast, a person on the margin or the border, yeah, Jesus is looking for you. He likes that. 
And uh, why does he seem to like borders? Because he likes people, and people live on borders. He's big on borders, big on the edge. Jesus stays a little edgy in his ministry. Let's put it that way. So what could these lepers, which is not necessarily leprosy, but certainly skin conditions, let's put it that way. What could these people with these skin conditions do and what could they not do as it pertained to the law? Now, you might find this interesting. A leper could go to a synagogue, but they had a special, I don't know, partitioned off area they had to sit. Just take a guess how far a leper had to keep from other people. And if you neared a leper, they were to say unclean. Well, they were supposed to keep, by God's law, four cubits away from other people. Guess what that is? That's right, six feet. They were social distancing 2,000 years ago, keeping six feet apart, knowing that they were contagious, okay? So these 10 men are traveling together. Why are they traveling together? And why would a Samaritan be traveling with non-Samaritans? Because sometimes situations come up in life where we find ourselves best understood, maybe only understood, best encouraged, maybe only encouraged, finding solace, maybe the only solace we can find, or looking for empathy, and the only true empathy we can find is among others who are also suffering the same sickness. Maybe you feel that way sometimes. You can't truly explain how you feel and what you're missing, but you knew, you know if you were to be around other people, they would get it. They would get you, and they would get your situation. So they're traveling together, and their pain and sickness transcends their stereotypes and expected bias and racism towards one another. Those are not as important anymore. The sickness has brought them together, and they're traveling, and they're crying out, unclean. And then they say, Master, Rabbi, Teacher, whatever, uh, have pity on us. They're acknowledging the leadership of Christ the teaching ministry of Christ as a rabbi, a master. But they're also getting pretty close to acknowledging that he is the only one that could heal them. Believe me, they're not walking around the countryside as a pack of wolves asking strangers to heal them. They recognize and have heard that Jesus can and does heal. And he said, go. Which seems interesting, isn't it? Someone asks you for healing and you say, go. But you're supposed to be about love. But he is. He says, go. He says, what? Go show yourself to the priest. Notice, they're not healed until they got moving. They didn't sit there. They got moving. And as they were moving, they were healed. He's telling them to go see the priest somewhere because that's what it says in Leviticus 14, and Jesus knows the Old Testament, and he's the fulfillment of it. So he's saying, go And find the priest and be declared whole, healed. Then you can reenter society. You don't have to worry about the social distancing. Six feet, four cubits. Got it? And this is a great principle for you. Listen, you may be sick. You may be struggling. You may be in pain. But there's got to be some movement. You've got to move. You've got to move where Christ tells you to move. You've got to move closer to him. Don't expect him to meet you if you don't move at all. You can take one step, he'll take 99, but you got to take a step. You got to take a step toward him to rest in him, acknowledge him, 
and worship him, maybe accept him as your savior. I don't know where you are spiritually. So he says, go. And they were healed. He asked them to do something and they did it. And what Christ asked you to do, ask you to do is in your best interest, period. If he asks you to do something, it's not arbitrary or random. It has a purpose behind it. He wants you to pursue him. Seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And that's what he wants you to do. So what I'm getting at is this. It's important that you seek God in a relationship with him before you seek what he can do for you. Seek him for who he is. Seek him for what he's already done before you seek him for what he will do for you. And we need to be moving in that direction. And as you're moving in that direction, don't be surprised if he heals you. See, they took a step. And we all need to take a step. We don't sit there and feel sorry for ourselves and complain about our illness. We move towards him, if not physically, certainly emotionally and spiritually. He'll meet us along the way and declare us whole. Now, not only were, were these people this these people healed, but one of them came back. One returned. Let's look at him for a minute because he's unique. Everybody was doing what was asked of them, but one turned back. These, these are the things that are more important than your deepest desire and request of God, to come back to God. Maybe you've been away from him and you find yourself ill. Come back. Turn around and come back. Come back home. Come back to a friendship with him. Come back to an acknowledgement of him. Come back to an awareness of him. Come back to a lordship in him. Come back to a safe place, a fruitful place, a place of wholeness and healing. But do come back. And when you do come back, do what this man does. He worships. You see, the chief end of man, according to the Westminster Confession, is to worship God. This man came back to worship God, and he fell at his feet. Now, not only was he healed, the word in Greek there doesn't mean just healed like his leprosy was gone. No, no. He was healed inside and out. He's beginning to think differently, feel differently, look differently, move about differently. But spiritually, something came on. In modern-day terms, we say that this man was whole. He was saved. He was bought into the idea. He was bought by Christ as a ransom by his blood, but he's also bought into the idea and the reality and the truth that he is God. And that makes him unique, does it not? Nine continued on. And you can say, well, I don't fault them. They were just doing what they were told. But listen, you never have to be told to worship. You can always worship. You can always peel back. You can always fall at the feet on your face of Jesus, and you can always proclaim his lordship. Because when you do that, my friend, you dissolve yourself of your own lordship in your own life. And you acknowledge him and bring glory to him. Yet yeah, only one came back to worship. The rest went on. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, praising God in a loud voice and thanking, thanking him. That word thank is where we get the word Eucharist. Isn't that something? It's a profound gratitude, that, a gratitude that parents faith. Uh, a gratitude that ref reveals what's in your heart, that you do believe and you do celebrate and you do glorify God. A life void of worship leaves us to ourself, for ourself, as our own God, 
the God of our own lives, and maybe even the world. A life void of worship leaves us at our own Tower of Babel. You may be sick, but get moving. Moving where? Towards Christ. Act by faith. Faith without works is dead. Move towards him and worship him for who he is, not what he can do. And you just might find, as you go, you might be made whole. You might be put back together. You might be set free. And you might be subject to him and no other. Certainly not a sickness. Let's pray. If there's movement required, necessitated, desired out of me, then let me be about the business of moving. Moving where? Nearer to the heart of God. Nearer to the heart of worship. Nearer to praise. Nearer to acknowledgement of the Lordship of Christ. Because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I pray for those who are sick today. Would desire him more than even healing. Would desire to know him more than even to know what it's like to be set free from their sickness. And as they go nearer and nearer to him, would you not, Lord, relieve them of their malady, their condition, their disease, their problem, their leprosy. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for listening to The Miraculous. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the next infusion of encouragement. Have a great day.